0: Things that are going on. But let's pray this morning and ask God to be with us in the Word. And uh, uh, we're going to just have a a good time today. Father God, we love you so very much. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. And God, I pray over these next few moments, God, that you would speak through me, have me to speak only what you have for me to speak. God, open our ears to hear. God, let we go from this place changed, transformed and filled with the Spirit of God, with the joy of Jesus Christ as we walk out of this place. In Jesus' name, somebody said, Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bibles with me this morning, John chapter 15, verse 1. John chapter 15, verse 1, title of this morning's message is, Love Sums It, our series, and this is part 4, and this is the joy of Jesus. The joy of Jesus. How do you have the joy of Jesus? Uh, how many people want a life that is joyful? All right. You know, sometimes we want a life that is joyful, but sometimes we feel joyless. Instead of joyful, we feel joy empty, joyless. And sometimes we desire a life that makes a difference, uh, but we go through seasons perhaps where we feel like, you know, God, I don't feel, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know why I'm here. Why am I going through this? What's the next step? And sometimes. Uh, we know we want a relationship with God and, and we want to have a, that, that secret place where our prayers are answered, but we go through these seasons where we just feel disconnected, unconnected from God. Where's His presence? Of, God, I don't. how come you're not hearing me? God, I don't, I don't see my prayers being answered. And we're going to take a trip tonight, or this morning, John 15. And before Jesus was crucified, on the night He was betrayed, He washed His disciples' feet and He gave them a new command. He had already told them, Love the Lord your God with everything that you have, all that is within you. Uh, And he says, now love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, well, then he says on this night before he goes to die on the cross, he says, but this way I, I tell you this commandment in a new way, a new commandment. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And this son of God comes to serve the world, take on our slavery and die our death on the cross. Go down from heaven to hell for us. Uh, and to show us the love of God and to redeem us from the consequences of our sin. But yet he tells them this and he promises them, hey, if you just listen to me, if you love and obey me, you're going to have a life full of love, of peace, of joy even while you're being persecuted even during the life's worst problems if you are a person who is loving me and obeying me and following me as i uh and love as i as you love one another as i have loved you if you are uh, seeking to please my father seeking first the kingdom he says no matter what you're going through no matter what that road looks like and how it will lead you to dark places and even if you'll be discouraged he says you're going to have a life Full of the presence of God, full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of power. When you're walking the road, I have called you to walk on. And, and we're going to look at this this morning. That he's speaking these things and the disciples are here and they're wondering who's the greatest. Who's going to rule with Jesus over the nations? And they become overconfident in their ability. And they begin, even in hearing this, still yet inwardly focused. I'm going to ask us this, this morning this before we get it going. Are we losing our joy and the fullness of His life because we're focused on the wrong things? We can easily get focused on the wrong things. God, I know your promises. God, I know what you did for me. But then we still aren't filled with the joy and the life of the Spirit. And it's maybe because we're focusing on the wrong things. We look at ourselves and think things like this God, how do I compare with them? God, am I good enough? Am I successful? Surely, God, I'm closer to them, but God, how closer to you than them? But God, how come I don't see my prayers being answered? God, how come you're not blessing me? God, how come I don't? Why isn't my life in a better place? And God, why aren't my prayers answered? God, aren't I? Aren't I doing a good enough job? Or don't you love me? Don't you care? Or why, God? The disciples in the same place, and Jesus continues the night, and he begins to tell them this in John chapter 15, verse one. If you and I want a life that is full of joy as Christ follows, we've got to realize, church, that our joy is not about us. We've got to stop measuring our lives on the kingdom of this world, stop looking to other people to satisfy, stop looking to other things to uh, give us the, uh, the power that we need or the joy that we need, because the Bible is telling us God is looking on the inside while man is looking on the outside. How do you know if you're really in Jesus. How do you know if you're really in Jesus? John chapter 15, verse 1. Let's look at this. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that he may bear more fruit. Ever look look at your neighbor and say, more fruit. More fruit. He says, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken in you. Abide in me. And I in you. You're going to hear that a lot this morning. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm going to read that again. Apart from Jesus, you and I can do nothing. Nothing. And he says in verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away as a branch and dries up and gathers them, and they cast them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me, though, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done before you. And my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples, just as the Father has loved me. I also love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that, here it is, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. You see that right there? He says that my joy, I tell you all these things and what to do and how to do it, that His joy may be in you and that your joy may be full full to overflowing, completely full. Why? It is His joy that comes down into you. Now, this is going to be important, and I'm going to kind of bring this back here in a second. So remember these things. Apart from me, you can do nothing, and that His joy may be in you. Let's look at the background. Uh, I don't know how many people garden or or have ever farmed grapes, or, or, you know, for here in in Louisiana, you could do it with okra. But basically, in this passage... He's talking about the vine. and in, in Israel, there's a lot of olive trees. There's a lot of vineyards. There's a lot of uh, grapes and wine vats and all this types of stuff. A very horticultural country. And they had these vines. And the gardener, the vine dresser, would go out there and he would prune them. He would cut away the dead branches uh, so that there would be more grapes that would produce. We do that here uh, at Sanctuary. We have roses outside every year. We'll cut those roses back. And then throughout the year as they bloom... Uh, Mr. Joe Bink, he'll go out there and he'll trim off the, the roses that are budded and, and then more will come up. You do that, if you don't, it's almost any plant is that way. You look in the world today, uh, even the seasons, all, of the, all these oak trees and all of these trees, uh, they will bloom, they'll produce seeds, and at the end of the year, God, by winter, He'll remove all the leaves, prune the trees back, and in the spring they come back. It's as a biblical principle as if there ever was one, is that God cuts away dead things so that there'll be new life. And God in this passage is the giver of life. And, and this farmer, uh, is, and he's using this farming analogy that grape vines will be trimmed and they'll also be cut away if they're dead so they'll produce more and better fruit. And the, in the Bible, the, uh, Israel was the symbol of the vine. And throughout the, uh, the Old Testament and throughout the uh, history of Israel, they knew that they were a choice Fruit. They were the, the special people of God and they were in God's vineyard and they were a royal a people for God and a special possession and God had set them to be a light of the world to feed the nations and they were this awesome thing. And that all the people of the world should come and, and look to them and partake from them and, and, and they were they were awesome. That's what they thought. They thought that they were awesome because God has elected them, God has showed them, God had made them the vine of heaven. And Jesus shows up on the scene... And he tells them something. To this prideful people, very religious in their day, and, and to a culture who, who was persecuting the poor and, and not really loving one another. Divorce was at an all-time high. Uh, people were falling away from the faith. Jesus shows up to the scene and he says, Hey, I want to tell you something. You're not divine. I'm divine. It ain't all about you. It's about me. And he flips their economy upside down in church. I think that we can kind of take from this even this morning is that we can be thinking, God loves me, I'm awesome, Jesus favors me, the promises of God for me are yesterday, today, forever, and God is going to bless me and keep me and take me to places. And if I pray he answers and where where we shout, demons flee, and we can get this holy roller mentality going, which is good. And but at the same time we forget, guess what? It ain't about you. It's all about Jesus. He's the source of life. He's the author of this thing. It's all about Him. And so, look at this this morning. Jesus shows up and turns their paradigm all upside down. He says, you're thinking of yourself. You're thinking of yourself. Our joy comes from loving and obeying Christ. It comes from abiding in God's love. It comes from keeping His commandments as a fruitful believer And Christian, I want you to know today, you and I, we are loved with an endless, unbreakable love. He says, I love you like God loves me. Now, here's the Son of God, one with God. He's united with God, one with God. He says, I love you like the Father loves himself, like the Father loves the Son. That's unbelievable as they're one. He says, I love you like we're one. There's nothing between you and I. I love you with an unbreakable, steadfast love. And in that sense, you are awesome. You are privileged. You are honored. I love you. When the God of heaven would say that I love you like He loves the Son, man, you should think highly of yourself. You should think that, man, who am I, God, that you would love me and give yourself for me, that you would love me as you love the Son. Jesus loves you as He loves the Father. Now, can you imagine? Just think about that. Just for a moment. Just pause for a minute. Jesus loves you like He loves God. That's almost unbelievable. Almost unbelievable. That's the story of the Gospel. But at the same time, your joy is not yours. It's His. It's not about you and who you are. It's about who He is. And that's this morning. We've got to get that before we even begin. Our joy is not about us it's about Jesus building His church through us. There are three things you should pick out of this passage today. Number one is this. Believers who source is Jesus are fully and joyfully producing fruit. But guess what, believers? If you're joyfully producing fruit, you're going to be pruned. Tonight, 6 p.m., come back tonight, you're going to learn one of the most biblical, powerful principles that many Christians fall flat on their face through these trials and seasons because they don't get this one principle of pruning. So that's a plug for tonight. It's going to be awesome. Number two, believers who don't rely on Jesus and are not producing fruit are false believers and they'll be cut off. And it says, unbelievers who depend on the vine of this world likewise will be destroyed. I'm going to give you some things this morning and break it out this way. Love equals abiding... Abiding equals fruit, and fruit equals joy. Three things we're going to look at this morning, that love is abiding. From the very beginning of this passage, he takes us out like this. He says, who do you think you are, and who do you think God is? He says, starts from the very beginning, I am the true vine. In case you were wondering, Jesus is the true vine. And he says, my Father is him, the vine dresser, and you are the branches. So let's get everything clear here. He's kind of, let's just shell it out for a minute. Who do you think you are, and who do who do you think God is? Because let me tell you, Jesus is clarifying. There's no confusion. He says, "You are just the branch. God is the vine dresser. I am the vine." Even go back a little further. He says, "Hey, I'm the good shepherd. You're the sheep. I'm the master. You're the slave. I'm the leader. You're the follower. I'm God. You're not." All right. And before we even go to look for the blessing of Jesus, before you ever look to find a full life of joy, the benefits and blessings of God, we've got to strip it down to the very beginning and say, look, he's God. I'm not. It's all about him. It's not about me. And he says, I am divine. There's no confusion. He is the creator, the source of all life. God makes the rules. God says what's going to make you happy. God says what's going to fulfill you. God says what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad. And He makes the rules. He's the vine. All right, are we in agreement this morning? And He says, abide in Me, and I in you. And the Father has loved Me, and I also love you, so abide in My love. Who would not want to abide in the love like that? Where He says, I love you with an everlasting love. Like I love the Father, and the Father loves Me, so I love you. So what does it mean to abide? It means this. Abide means to remain and to continue without fading. It can mean to live or to dwell in. And it can also mean to follow and obey. He's saying, follow and obey me. He says, remain in me. Continue in me without fading. He says, live well and dwell in me. And then I will live well and dwell in you. And he says, you follow and obey me. I'll be in you. Remain in me. I'll remain in you. You know... Um, to plant, to have the right kind of fruit, you have to have the right kind of vine. And so if you want apples, you plant an apple tree. And sometimes there's different types of apples. And uh, at my house, I like the green Granny Smith sour ones. My wife hates them, and she likes the red ones, you know. Uh, and so whatever kind of fruit you want, you've got to plant the right tree, right? And so uh, today, Jesus is saying, hey, let's look at this. To have the right kind of fruit, you gotta be in the right kind of vine. And no fruit can be better than the vine that produces it. You can't be any better than, you can't get any better than having Jesus in you. And you can't produce any kind, of, there's no more joy out there in this world than the joy that's in Jesus Christ. That's the best, the best kind of joy is in Jesus. So you can go out to other vines, you can go shop around this world, you can try out some different fruits, you can go to the farmer's market and see what kind of ones you like. And I'm gonna tell you right, There's no better than in Jesus. This world's looking for all the wrong places. They're shopping at all the wrong farmer's markets. And there's only one, he says, there is a true vine that produces the best kind of fruit. And a fruitful branch has to be a part of a fruitful vine. It's simple. It's very simple. Abiding is to have the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ in you. It means to continue to persevere in believing that Jesus is the way, the truth to life. And it means that loving and obeying Him comes by faith because I know who He is and I know who I am. And so I can trust Him at His Word. When times get tough and life gets rough, He's God. He said it. I'm going to follow. That's it. Whether I believe it, whether I see the promises fulfilled or not, whether it's good or bad or cloudy or stormy, He is God. He's the source. Whatever comes my way, God's got me. I'm in Him. He's in me. And it doesn't really matter. Everything else falls into place. And abiding is our union and communion with Him. And it comes like this. How do I abide in Christ, Pastor? What does it look like? It is that union and communion with Him. It is uh, when we get in that special place in our daily prayer life. It's growing in His Word. It's confessing sin. It's obeying Him in faith. And it's not just, let me tell you this, the Pharisees prayed a lot. The Pharisees read their Bible a lot, but they did not pray from the heart in a place of open confession. They did not realize that God was the source, that He was everything, that He got to redefine who they were, what they thought, where they went. It's all about Him. So we, like Pastor John even just said a while ago, we can pray prayers, but the first, before we ever ask for ourselves, we give to the glory of God. God, maybe this is for Your glory. God, maybe I'm going through something because of your glory. So, God, I'm going to seek to glorify you. Man, it's storming outside. God, I'm glorifying you. God, give praise to you. You're the source of my life. It's you. I can't fix this problem on my own. God, I'm going back to prayer. I'm saying, God, you're all I need, you're my everything. And so abiding is this deep place of reliance on God. It's confessing my sin. It's saying, God, I'm getting everything out of my life and I'm going to get this deep prayer life with you, God. And I'm going to experience the presence of God in my, in my prayer time. I'm going to experience the presence of God when I read because, God, I'm praying for my heart. I'm praying from a place of open confession. And so many Christians today are being torn away from this deep connection with God. Why? The devil knows that if you are abiding in God, something great is going to happen. He knows if you are in your prayer life. He knows if you're in your word. He knows if you're being openly confessing your sin to God. He knows if you're relying on God as your source. Man, you're going to be the most powerful thing that the, the heaven has got on this earth. Right now is the saints, the church of God. Heaven has unleashed all the power has been given to you. All authority has been given. You are the most powerful thing. On this earth right now is when the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. And the devil knows if I can just get them out of connection with God, if I can just get them to pray some weak patty cake prayers, if I can just get them to worship and just clap their hands and sing some lip service songs, if I can just tempt them that, you know, maybe the joy of the Lord uh, looks different. Maybe maybe there's some things you can do to help God along over here. Maybe you can work this out and, and work on that relationship and work in that job and work in that identity. And maybe you need to post some more things on Facebook about beauty. Maybe you need to change your makeup or your hairstyle. Maybe you need to change the way you dress. Maybe you need to change the relationships you have. Maybe that person is not good enough for you anymore. And, and maybe there's more joy. out. Man, I'm telling you, the devil is doing everything he can to get you to forget God is your source of joy everything. He knows. He knows. He knows how to tempt you to find more joy by your own efforts. He knows how to tempt you for a better, joyful life outside of the true vine. He knows how to tempt you that your life is not good enough, joyful enough, and maybe God doesn't love you right now because you're not seeing everything you want to see in your life for yourself. But when we get our focus off of the all-sufficient, joyful work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we lose, church. We lose. When we try to find happiness or joy, sufficiency in the kingdom of this world, we lose. When we look to others for people or things for our identity, true love, our measure of success, our state of peace, you lose. When we try to be holy and good enough by your own standard of dress or moral compass or behavior or efforts of religious works, you lose. It's only in Jesus. He's all you need. It's all about Him. It's all about the cross. It's all about His love. And so a loving, loving God is abiding in Him. And do you want joy today? It is simply this. Abide in Him. Love Him. Obey Him. And He says, if you love Me, you'll abide in Me. And if you abide in Me, you'll produce fruit. Let's look at that. Abiding in Him means producing fruit. How do you know if you're abiding very well? Are you producing fruit? What's fruit? He says, a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you do that unless you abide in me. And if you do abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He's about to tell his disciples, he says, hey, I'm going to leave. You're going you're to take this thing over. You're going to take my church over. The thing I hold most dearly to me, the thing I'm going to die to build, my church, my bride. My bride. The, these, these people I'm redeeming out of the whole world that I'm putting in this place, this vessel of salvation, the church, the ark that's going to go through troubled waters and save the world. My bride. And, and he's saying, hey, I'm entrusting this to you. How are you going to do that? He says, you can't do it unless you're in me. And it's all about me, remember? It, don't forget, it's not about you. It's all about me. It's not about your goals, your plans, your ambitions. It's about my kingdom, my, my church, my glory. And he says, "I want you to be able to produce fruit, and if you abide in me, you'll do that, and you'll make a lot of it, because I'm going to get some glory out of it. And this fruit is this, you know, if you, um, it's a sweet seed-bearing food. That's the nature of it. You know, uh, a, a fruit has seeds in it, and a fruit reproduces itself. When that apple falls to the ground, the fruit is eaten, perhaps by birds, and taken to a place, and it uh, is dropped somewhere, and that seed is uh, planted in another tree." And spiritually, though, the Bible has a lot to say about fruit. And basically it's this. It's growing in holiness and obedience, Scripture says. It's justice for the oppressed. It's the giving of our time, our talent, our resources to God's kingdom. That's spiritual fruit. Spiritual fruit can be winning others to Christ. It can be good works. It can be serving others, praising God. And really, it comes down to the basics of developing a Christ-like character within you. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. We know this verse well, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That together is the character of Christ. He says, if you abide in me and I in you, you will produce my character. There'll be a seed will be birthed in you. And that seed is Christ's Fruit, let me tell you this. We go out of this, out of this place that we go and we, we go to the soup kitchen. We serve some people, right? And we, we give good works. We give tithe. We give offerings. Or, or you know, we, we do something awesome for the kingdom. You know what? That's not yours. That's not yours. You couldn't do anything without God. That's not yours to get glory off of. If somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor Heath, good sermon, you know what? That ain't about me. To God be the glory. That's God's. I didn't make this stuff up. He did, right? I'm not, I don't deserve any credit. Right. Uh, I didn't even save myself. I didn't fill myself with the Holy Spirit. I didn't call myself into ministry. It's all about Jesus to him, be the glory. And so I don't have anything good in me. It's all him. So anything I have, I give to God. Right. And that's what he's saying. He's saying your fruit isn't even yours. It's Christ in you produced in you. And so let me say it this way. A branch can take no credit for its fruit. That branch on the end of that grape tree, that grapevine, that branch didn't do it. It was the vine that sent the nutrients through it to produce fruit, right? And so that fruit is not the branches. That fruit is His, the vines. So you're out there doing good works. You think you're being holy. You're being awesome. It ain't about you. It's all about Jesus. You think you're holier than thou or the people in this world, the the churches out there in this world, well, we're good. We got our clothes on right, we got our TV off to the right channel, we got our this, that, this, and that and the other. We give a million dollars to this. It ain't about you. You couldn't do nothing without Jesus. Right. It's his fruit. Not even you can't be patient if you tried to be patient. You can't be good if you try to be good or or have self-control. Anything good in us is Christ. That's the first part of the fruit. The second part is this: the fruit is for others. The fruit is for others. Now, one, it's Christ. When you're in Him, it just naturally happens. And I'll say this. Go back to that. Sometimes we get frustrated. And we think, God, how can I help you along to make me better? What? That's what we do, though. Let me be honest. God, I want to be more patient. So, God, how can I help you help me be more patient? Right? Right? I need to get this person in my life. I need to get out of that job. God, I need to do this. I need to do that. Then I'll be more patient. And this is not what is this? Not what we do, man. God, I need to be more joyful. So God, I'm going to watch the right videos. God, I'm going to read the right scriptures. God, oh, that's good. I'm going to uh, tell my wife stop nagging me. Whatever it is that's going to get you in trouble later, you know, I, I got to help you help me to get some more joy. Right? He says, No, 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 no. no. It's not yours. It's mine. And you can only do it through me. And it's actually a pass-through. It's found in me this joy, this peace, this patience, this love. And I'm just going to pass it through you and give it to somebody else. Mm. What happens sometimes, we're like these... Let me just be a little blunt. We're just kind of a constipated branch here, right? (laughs) And we're like, Lord, I want that love. I need that. Let's stop it right here. I'm going to build a a dam in this. And then I'm going to get all this fruit for myself. That apple tree don't eat its own apples. That grapevine don't eat its own grapes. It's a pass-through to give to someone else. So God, you know what we pray? God, give me more love so I can give it to somebody else. God, give me more peace so I can give to somebody else. God, give me more patience so I can get patience to somebody else. God, give me more joy so I can give joy to somebody else. So what that means? It means give it all away. Church, sometimes we hog the blessings of God. Give it all away. That fruit that God has given you is for somebody else. He says, I, in verse 15, of chapter 15, verse 8, he says, My fathers glorified that you bear fruit. Proved to be my disciples. Remember, I have chose you. You did not choose me. I appointed you to go. Bear fruit and your fruit would remain. Grapes contain grape seeds and they're for eating and making more fruit. All of our holiness, all of our good works, all of our giving, all of our praise and worship, all of our Christ-like characters is for somebody else and for the glory of God. And about us. He says, if you abide in me, you'll love me. If you are abiding in me, you'll produce fruit. And if you have fruit, you'll have joy. This, uh, this weekend, Ari and I, uh, we were out on Friday, Beth works on Fridays, and that's my day off. And so our, I watch Ari on Fridays. and We're, riding, we're cleaning the yard and, and weeding and all that, and we go look at some blackberry bushes that I'd planted and had a few early, early ones on there. And then this little two-year-old comes up to me, and uh, you know, she's we're look at this berry bush. And she's like, "All right, don't touch it. It's, it's. It's got thorns on it and stuff like that." And we're looking, well, none of them are ready. Oh, there's a one, or there's three black ones ready. Three blacks. And and I said, "Hey, eat this." And she looked at it like, "I don't think I'm supposed to be eating things outside." You know, like off a tree, right? And that little two-year-old, she's—you know—I love her. She's she's my kid. She's smart, right? You know, she takes that and, and she goes, "Wow, that's good." And I'm like, and she's like, it was look this look like, oh my gosh, I can eat this and it's edible and it's good. And they were, she was so excited that she could eat a blackberry outside. And I had to then correct her: don't eat everything you see on a tree, right? <laughs> Daddy might be leading you down the wrong place. But what I got out of that was this, wow, it's good. When we are producing fruit, it's a joyful experience. When you partake, and uh, when you, man, one of the best days of my life, Now I've been married, and I have a daughter, and, and I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I've been called into ministry, I've seen a lot of great things. One of the best times I can remember of my life, one of the most joyful experiences of my life, I remember the first person I led to Jesus. Man, I, this young man who I've been witnessing to in school, uh, and I'll give you a quick story. This is not in my notes. I, I, I was witnessing to in school for years and partnering with one of my best friends, and he and I were just talking to this guy about the Lord, and I wasn't even really on fire for Jesus, but I just knew that I had to do this. I come back home. We get on MSN Messenger. Kids, that's what we used to have back in, in the early 90s, MSN Messenger, Yahoo. And we get on that and chat, and he's chatting, and he's just real depressed, and Long story short, it came to the point where I was like, just felt like, man, you should just call me, and I'll pray with you. And and do you want to be saved? Because he was just distraught at his life, and so he calls me, and I call, and I'm just, a, I'm a little 16 year old kid. I don't know what I'm doing. I call, he calls me, and I just lead him in that simple salvation prayer that I hear pastors pray, you know. And he's just weeping, and he accepts Jesus on the phone, and and he hangs up, and I just did this craziest dance when I got out of the, off that hung that phone up, and just went crazy, you know, just. Man, and just jumping on my bed, man, and just weeping because it is a joyful thing to let someone partake of the fruit of Jesus. And I, and I wonder today if maybe we're not so joyful, maybe we're not so full, it's because we're not giving it away. Maybe that, that peace you've been looking for, that joy, that patience, all those good things that you've been saying, God, how come my prayers aren't answered? God, I want to do this. God, I want to do that. Lord, why aren't I having this? Is because you're not giving it away. Man, we are most fulfilled, church. You have been commissioned, ordained, called to produce fruit and to give it away to this world. And perhaps the reason we look like a bunch of constipated Christians, if you will, sour grapes, is because we're holding it all in. Just to get the point across this morning, all right? You know, give it away. Man, you're going to be more joyful, more peace, more love in your life when you're loving others, when you're patient with others, when you're giving to others. And Jesus is telling you today, you want some fruit, you want some joy? God, let the world partake. And there's some promises here. And He says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. His joy comes When you say, wow, God, I get to be a part of Christ. Wow, God, I get to help others. Wow, can't believe, God, I get to make a difference in your kingdom. Who am I, God, that you would use me to bless somebody else? You want to be more thankful, church? Start blessing somebody else. You want to see the blessing of God in your life? Start blessing somebody else. And he says, this final promise on that, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know what that means? It means that when we are walking in the vine, we are connected to the vine, we begin to get the love of Jesus inside of us. The Spirit of God fills us. We get the Christ-like nature. It doesn't happen because you're partnering with Him or, or because you're helping along. It just naturally comes out when you begin to pray. Read your Word. Get a, a worshiping heart. The nature of Christ, you can't help it. It'll just bubble out of you. And you'll naturally begin to produce good fruit. Good things will naturally flow out of you. And he says, when you get to that place, and you're in me, and I'm in you, and you're walking in my presence, and my presence is in you, he says, in that place, I know you're a Christian who's all about the will of God. You're a Christian who's all about expanding the kingdom and seeking the kingdom first. He says, then, on that condition, ask whatever you will. I'll give it to you. Why? Because my Father is glorified when you keep producing fruit. See, we get these words, we take them out of context here, and we say, oh, I'm a Christian, so I ask whatever I want. Jesus will give it to me. And, and then we get these things where like, God, well, well, I have been praying, God. How come, how come this ain't coming? He says, no, no, no. The condition is abide in me, I in you. Bear fruit. Give it away. And then I'm going to keep it going. God always resources His mission. He always resources His mission. If He knows you're on point, you're on mission, you're in it to win it and to see people come to know Him, He's going to give you the power from on high. He's going to confirm the words you speak with signs and wonders. He's going to uh, see. You're going to see demons cast out. You're going to see the lame walk, the blind see. You're going to see people filled with the Holy Spirit because you are saying, God, it's not about me. It's all about you. God, you're the vine. I'm the branch. God, I'm just in you. I, and I'm not... God. I want to help. I want to work. And yeah, we we get this, you know, faith plus works. We understand that. But sometimes we get the works plus faith mentality going. And it's saying, God, I just need to be in your presence. God, I've been trying too hard on my own. I've been trying to do this on my own. I just need to be in your presence and just let it go. Say, God, let me bless people. God, yeah, you you might need more love today. No, I feel, God, I feel empty. I need some more love. All right, he'll give it to you. But the way it's going to come is going to be in a way that you're just the pass through, right? That's when the true joy comes. When you let God just pass the blessings through you into other people. And there's a fair warning here, and I'm going to close here in a second. There's a fair warning here because he says, though, remember this, Christian. There's a branch in me and it does not bear fruit. I'm going to take it away. And if you're not abiding in me, I'm going to throw you away. And they're going to, angels of God are going to cast you in the pit of hellfire and brimstone where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those people who are not producing fruit prove they're not abiding in the vine. Those people who are not producing fruit prove they're not giving it away. And fruit is the measure of our faithfulness. God, I love you. God, I want to be in your presence. And we get to these times sometimes, I think, where this artificial fruit comes in. And you know, you think about Judas. This very night, Jesus is telling this to the disciples, and Judas is in the room, and Judas professes to be a Christ follower, but he's spiritually dead. He's not connected to the vine. Not everyone who professes Christ has his character living within them. Not everyone who comes to church is interested in making disciples. And he says, those are the branches I'm trying to prune. And if they're not careful, I'm going to cut them away. You see, church, there's, there's no room in Christ for fruitless followers. And that is a measure of our health. God, am I interested in making disciples? God, am I interested in giving it all away? God, am I in Your presence and Your character is overcoming some of these sinful characters in my life. That God, I'm more in You than I am in the world. God, I'm more into You than in my own way of thinking and living and doing. And God, it's just happening in my life that there's the joy of the Lord is just coming out of me because God, I'm making disciples. I'm being obedient. I'm not just offering lip service on Sunday. I'm, I'm seeking to glorify You more than glorify myself. And God, when You come and You prune me, I know, God, that if you take things out of my life or you humble me in certain times, or God, if you remove me or you put me in a season of trial and tribulation, God, I know it's because, God, on the other side, you've got more fruit for me to give away. Sometimes we go through those, and you're going to hear more about this tonight, sometimes we go through those seasons of testing and trial because God wants you to be more fruitful. And we look at God and say, God, but how come this is happening? It's because He's trying to produce more fruit in you and make more disciples through you. But be careful. If we reject pruning, if we're satisfied with the showy Christianity of artificial fruit and sing some songs and do a happy dance and say, now lay me down to sleep, Lord, my blessings will come to those who wait, you know, because, God, I'm a good person. mm we may wake up one day at that that judgment seat and he says, "I don't know, I have a clue who you are. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. I never knew you." But those who are abiding in him, say, "God, I just want to be about you. God, I just love to see other people take of, eat of Jesus. I love them when they say, "Taste and see the Lord is good." And that's my life. Man, that's what gives me joy. That's what that was what feeds me. That's what I get, my energy coming through me. And we just keep it coming, God, because I just stay in your presence and see God's kingdom come and your will be done. And Lord, it's not about me or my life or my hobbies or my kingdom that I'm building, but God, Lord, you're the vine. You're the vine. And I can't get enough of you. I can't get enough of you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Revelation chapter 3 Jesus speaks to some believers who've done some good deeds. And some people, they think they're alive, but they're really almost dead. And so Jesus cuts them off. And before He cuts them off, He's going to say, He says to them something. He says, strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. Strengthen the things that remain which are about to die. You're almost, you look like you're alive, but you're really almost dead. God wants to bring revival to you today, church. Are you joyless? Are your prayers not getting answered? Are you stressed about making disciples? Do you lack that Christ like character? Abide in Jesus. Let's just wait on the Lord. We just ask the Lord to just speak to your heart today. Where are you? Is this your heart's cry? God, I want to abide in you and you abide in me.